Ian mentioned that article of, you know, us putting in $100,000. Uh, Kevin and I certainly, you know, did not have anything close to that amount of money. A, a good majority of it was was literally us, you know, applying for credit cards and, 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 and really kind of put ourselves early on into a little bit of debt um, just because we believe so much in the product. Hi there and welcome to the Greyhound Guide, the official podcast of the Sport Management Department here at the University of Indianapolis. This episode is part of a limited edition series titled The Founders. We will be interviewing the founding partners of Rampshot, Crossnet, and Sauce Toss over the next few episodes. These games are unique to the industry and quickly becoming some of the fastest growing sports in their field. Stay tuned to learn how they went from idea to product to millions. I am your host, Cody McCullough. We all have that one friend that whenever we're together, something new comes to light, whether it's a new recipe in the kitchen, altered song lyrics, or games to kill the time. And that is sort of how Kevin Tashira and Josh Bonventry created Ramp Shot. They were friends for 15 years before creating this unique backyard game. If you haven't heard of it, it is referred to as cornhole on steroids, which is either intriguing or frightening to some, depending on how good you are at cornhole. This game was founded in New York and launched seven years ago in 2014 and can now be played virtually wherever. Due to its compact size, it is ideal for beach days, graduation parties, and pretty much anywhere competitive juices are flowing. So Josh and Kevin, thanks for joining us today. Um, I like to start off with a fun question, and that is, if I had $100 in my pocket to bet on a ramp shot contest between you two, which team am I putting the money on? <laughs> well, Cody, thanks for, first of all, thanks for, for having us. I uh, appreciate uh, being on the podcast. Uh, so this is, for those of you listening on audio, this is uh, this is Josh Bonventry. Uh, so this is an easy question to start off with, I would say. Um, you definitely, I would put $100 on easy. my... I, I, <laughs> I would put a hundred dollars on myself right there. Um, I'm a, a sharp shooter. Kevin's got like the long, lanky arms, so he probably can uh, he probably can get to a few more balls. But uh, that's what it's all but, about. But, but, um, but, I'm a, but I think I'm a better shot. I, like we're, but we've been debating that for a while. Yeah, I would uh, I would have to disagree with that kindly. Uh, definitely think that uh, you know when it came down to it, that range, that that length that you need for the for the game can definitely be useful. And uh, I think I'd pull it out in the end. So I watched a lot of videos of people playing and like visited your website before this. And um, so the rules, when you're standing behind throwing the ball, your arm is like allowed to cross the threshold of the board in front of you. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So, I mean, basically where you would shoot from is right directly behind the ramp. So yeah. if your foot goes underneath the back of it, that's fine. And you can reach over. Okay. Uh, and again, you play from 15 feet, so it's not like, you know, where it's like a small table or something like that. Where, again, there's there's a major advantage if you're taller. It's you know, 15 feet is a pretty pretty decent length, and yeah, you know, you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't get any ad- certain advantage from shooting if you were a taller person. But yeah, you would want to shoot from behind the ramp itself. So for the listeners who maybe haven't heard it or seen the videos on social media, could you guys just explain? what the concept of the game is? Sure, of course. Uh, again, this is a Chemtex error, just um, so you guys recognize the voice. I mean, it's a, it's a four-player game. 
Um, the setup is similar to cornhole, but uh, actually that's where the similarities pretty much stop. Um, the, the key is, you know, with cornhole, you have one tosser, three other people just kind of standing around. So this is definitely a more active version where you would have three out of four involved in every play. So again, if you have teammates, you'd stand on opposite ends, similar to cornhole. Uh, you have, there's two ramps in every set, so they're facing each other, like I said, 15 feet apart. Uh, you have the shooter who, again, has two ways of trying to score, and you're working with your teammate to try to score points. So if the shooter gets it into the goal, that's three points. If he shoots and it actually bounces off the ramp or the, you know, the uh, object on the other side, it bounces up and your teammate can catch it for one point. So, I mean, again, it's, it's a little, you're working together. It's a teammate thing. It's, you know, there's strategy involved because you have to score exactly 15 points. Uh, and now I think what makes us truly unique to the rest of the, uh, the industry is um, the added element of the third player that's involved is if the shooter shoots and comes up short, the ball would bounce back because it's a ramp-shaped object. So the ball would rebound back the opposite way. The opponent can run in if they catch it off that rebound. It's a steal for that team, which is an extra shot. So they don't get any points for that steal, but they do get that ball as an extra shot to try to score points. I thought it was cool. I, like I mentioned in the email last night, I listened to a podcast, Josh, that you did with Sauce Toss. And in that, the Ian, the marketing person, he mentioned the, uh, the slapback rule. So I think it's cool how over time you guys have kind of adjusted the rules to make it more interactive yeah that, that was kind of a, a a west coast thing that came up uh, we ended up meeting with um a, a couple of guys out west that were just uh, real big spike ball fans at the time and they kind of fell in love with Ramshot. and uh so they were kind of looking to take the game they fell in love with the game but then it came to a point where they wanted to take it to the next level and, and make it even you know even more competitive and they came up with this idea of the slapback, where instead of catching the ball off of a bounce, you can try to open hand slap it back to the person who shot it. And uh, if they catch it uh, behind the ramp, they, they get two points. And it just kind of took the game to another level, which is one of the cool things about Ram Shot is you can play it. Um, you can play like real simple rules um, or you can get all the way to that slapback level, um, which uh, people have really seemed to enjoy. So it's just kind of cool because it, it, uh, it really is great for a wide range of of skill levels yeah something i was reading um there was a comment in the article and it said like you can play it either with a drink in the hand or where you're diving all over the place exactly exactly yeah it's so true and again a lot of our customer base is actually working directly with school districts um with physical education and you know again we we have modifications just to get the young uh kids involved you know so you know, of course, you can move it closer. That's one way to make it easier. But going down to 15 to 12 feet or 10 feet, uh, certainly that makes it easier. But uh, and then there's even you know some rules that we've come up with that's called Ramshaw Rookie, which uh, again will accommodate eight, nine, ten-year-olds. So it kind of really covers a, a broad range. Where again, we're we're a family company. We're passionate about you know getting people outside and playing together. So you know one of our are things that we enjoy is when we can get three generations together, you know, where my kids can play with me and they can play with their grandpa, their pop-up, you know? So, I mean, it's definitely, that's the nice part about how broad of a, a game it is. So I've looked on uh, your guys's ramp shot website and just done some searches on Google and read some articles about the origins of the idea and everything. 
could you guys give me a rundown of like how you went from having this idea in the first place to trying it yourselves and then ultimately selling like your first units? Yeah, it's a it's a weird story because it's not one of those things where we set out to uh, to an invented game. You know, we kind of both had our own uh, you know careers doing our own thing, and uh, it almost kind of happened uh, you know kind of overnight and and almost by accident. Uh, I was a, a fifth grade phys ed teacher at the time. I was teaching the kids in school some kind of backyard games. And, and on the drive home, I decided that I was going to try to create my own uh, yard game, not not to sell or anything else. I didn't really have, you know, ramp shot in mind. Um, I just decided that I wanted to, you know, come up with something original. And on the drive home, uh, I just started thinking about what I would like to see in a game. And uh, catching was something that was really never in any yard games. Uh, There's a lot of tossing, but really no catching. Um, and I wanted to get more people involved in the game. So, uh, that was kind of the initial goal was just to have something for my class. And I went home and I just started putting something together. And as soon as I started putting it together, it, it kind of resembled ramp shot uh, a little bit. And I realized that I might have something actually bigger than, uh, just for the kids in my class. Um, and I, and I called Kevin and I've been good friends for a long time. Um, always playing yard games together and, uh, tailgates and things like that. And, you know, I said, I, I think I might have something you want to check it out. And, he checked it out and he kind of had the same feeling because I think we might have something here. And um, we took it from there. We started building like a prototype out of wood, started showing it to some friends and our friends fell in love with the game. They were getting like addicted to the game and like, this is amazing. Like, I think you guys have something here. And uh, so we had zero idea of what we would be getting into. Um, you know, never owned a company before anything like that. Had no idea, you know, <laughs> shipping and, and manufacturing and all that kind of other stuff. So it was a a huge learning curve. Uh, looking back at it now, I think it's uh, crazy to think that we, you know, we went head first into it, uh, but certainly glad that we did. But yeah, so and then then we had to uh, after we started uh, playing with friends, and then we had to uh, next step was to figure out manuf manufacturing. So we talked about you know, making it out of wood, making it out of plastic, and, and all those things. And so yeah, so that was kind of the process. And then next thing you know, we uh, found a plastic supplier and manufacturer. We manufactured the game and. The first run of ramps, I'll never forget, we had, it was a week before, maybe not even a week, maybe two, three days before a phys ed conference that we signed up for. So this is our first round of ramp shot games. And next thing you know, like two days after, two, three days after, we have probably 50 people ready to play at a phys ed conference on Long Island. And we showed them the game. And next thing you know, we sold out of our first run. Uh, it was just a, an experience that I'll never forget, just watching people enjoy this this game that we've you know, spent so much time. I think we spent probably about a year um, between the process of actually first thinking about it and manufacturing, but then to actually see people just having like a blast and then people lined up uh, with their, you know, credit cards out ready, ready to take one home was, was a really cool feeling. So in the early stages, you two both, um, you still stayed at your other jobs, right? Because uh, I, one article I read was saying how you both still did your full-time jobs and you were spending like 30 to 40 hours additional working on Ram shop. Right. Yeah. So we, we both, we both still have our full-time jobs. Um, okay. We're, we're still <laughs> bouncing that it's getting harder and harder as the company has taken off more and more. Um, you know, so we, we don't, well, we don't really know what the future holds yet, but, um, it certainly has gotten more complicated, you know, over the years, but, uh, but it's been a lot of fun. Wouldn't, you know, wouldn't trade it for the world. It's funny. We there's different things we've done now. Just reflecting back on is, uh, I've actually had a few interns just from local colleges that, uh, you know, certainly wanted to get some experience. Uh, of course, 
you know, when you're a startup, you don't have much capital or really uh, cash flow to, to operate. But um, so, you know, it just seemed like an intern would, would make sense because it was basically free labor. But uh, certainly they, they've been helpful, you know, and just family and friends just have helped out, you know, for trying to get the trade shows and we just couldn't balance everything. We've had other people help out. So it's, it's definitely a, a nice family business where people chime in and kind of alleviate some of the pressure at times. So is the... I thought I saw this somewhere, but then I couldn't refind it. So I don't know if I'm dreaming. Um, is Rampshot manufactured in the U.S.? Yes, uh, yes. It is. We, uh, yeah. You know, one of the one of the the hardest things, I guess, was um, uh, finding a manufacturer um, that we could trust. You know, a lot of people um, will go overseas, and for somebody, you know, for a couple of guys who have never dealt, you know, going overseas, you know, it's so uh, hard um, to. You know, spend a lot of money. You know, you have to you have to purchase a mold, and I'm not going to get into the plastic part yeah. of it. But to go overseas and then worrying that you know games are going to come over, you know, warped or miscolored or you know, anything like that. Um, so uh, that was one thing that we said we really would like to keep it, uh, you know, in the U.S. But I think that the more important piece of it was that we really just wanted to keep a product in the U.S. Like we we're really proud to be able to put that you know made in the U.S.A. Um, you know flag on our on our boxes and, you know, on the sticker on the ramp. So um, we actually found a manufacturer right here where we operate out of in Long Island and uh, they're been terrific. You know, they're about 45 minutes from, uh, from where we operate. And uh, you know, so the quality control is never an issue. Uh, one of the things that we, we really proud of is, um, is the quality of the product. I think in the what is seven years, I guess now um, that we've been in business, I don't know. I, I don't remember getting a complaint about saying like, you know, that the quality, you know, that it's junk or anything like that. Like it's an absolutely quality product uh, for, for a, a good price too. And I think that really comes down to the fact that we, you know, we stayed local, we stayed in the U S and uh, yeah. So that's something we're definitely proud of. I will say that I saw, there was a picture Josh of you standing next to like four or five different other prototypes that you made out of wood. Do you think that Rampshot would have taken off like it has if you hadn't been able to like produce those first few by yourself? So like if you had to find someone to do that for you, because I just think of me, like I was showing my fiance when I was preparing for this, that picture that I saw. And I was just laughing because I was like, I'm not a handyman at all. There's no way I would have been able to make those. Uh, like I would have been relying on someone else. So do you think that that your ability there kind of helped you guys? Yeah, definitely. Kevin and I are both uh, both pretty handy. So in the, the little spare time that we have, we, we both like to, uh, you know, work with wood, whether it's, you know, just things around the house or, or building a piece of furniture or anything like that. Um, so I think that was actually an enjoyable part of the process was being able to make some of the earlier prototypes. Um, we short, you know, considered wood for a short time, but the the process, the price of wood is, uh, yeah. you know, astronomical compared to um, plastic. Um, the and I don't, I think I know which picture you're referring to. Um, right before we did plastic, we went to a cabinet manufacturer because making those those grooves in the top yeah. um, was really like it's really a key piece of of Ramshot and making the ball kind of bounce different ways. So we had a manu a cabinet manufacturer with a CNC machine make like an exact prototype out of wood that was just you know absolute perfection, better than Kevin and I can you know can ever do. And uh, that was the 
the last piece before we, we moved on to plastic. But that really just kind of gave us a complete sense of how it would play, uh, minus the material. The, um, the material, like going over to plastic, was probably one of the scariest things because you're spending yeah. a lot of money on a mold, and then you're just hoping when it comes out that the ball is going to bounce the right way. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, as soon as we started playing, you know, it was kind of like a sigh of relief. And it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, you know we're, we're good. Yeah, it was a, it's a fine balance between, um, you know, again, trying to make something unique, but also it has to play well, you know, so that's kind of where like the grooves came into play where, again, it, it added an element to the game to make it a little bit more difficult um, on the, uh, the playmaker, the person who's trying to catch the ball. But, um, you know, we didn't want to take any shortcuts, you know, so we ended up uh, patenting it. So it had to be completely unique, but um and and also in the back of our heads we know that you know cornhole uh isn't owned by anybody you know it's been around for you know yeah. 40 50 years and you know if you are somewhat handy i mean not even you know a true tradesman you could you can make your own set in your garage you know so certainly in the back of our heads we're thinking you know we're not a big company we're just a startup uh it would be great to be able to you know not I mean, we don't have the marketing funds to really blitz the market. And if we can come up with something truly unique that also can't be done in the garage, it gives us time to really corner the market and say, this is a unique game that, you know, you can only get sourcing it through us. I saw that, uh, that picture and the prototypes, and I'm not even the type of person that hangs a picture on the wall without calling my brother-in-law to make sure I'm doing it right. So. <laughs> All right. So the name Ramp Shot, I think, is super catchy, and I'm usually not a fan of, like, when when businesses that aren't apparel businesses, like, have apparel with their name on it, but it's something about your guys' uh, like, the logo of it and how it comes together that I really like the shirts you guys have on your website. So I was just curious, how did you guys come up with the name and settle on it? And were there any names looking back that you're glad you did not go with? Uh, sure. Yeah, this Kevin, I'll take it. Um, yeah, I mean, that was definitely a, a really fun part of the process. Um, and it didn't happen overnight because uh, when we first started and obviously our friends started playing and our family and they really kind of gave us the, the nudge that we needed to say, all right, let's try to take this to the next level. It's, you know, the next, you know, step in the process would be naming it. And Josh kind of was playing with the name Traps. So, like, it kind of resembled the game itself, a trapezoid, so T-R-A-P-Z. Uh, but we quickly found out that that name, uh, or at least the URL, was taken by, like, a jewelry company or something. And we're just like, you know, we could have secured, like, .net or .org or something. Yeah. But it just wasn't, you know, we just wanted, if you can kind of remember the name, we wanted everybody to land on it and not have to go through a jewelry company to find us, that type of thing. So... We, uh, we trashed that name and then we just started, I mean, literally, I remember sitting in Josh's uh, detached garage and he had like a whiteboard up and uh, we just started rambling off names, like what made sense? What did it look like? Um, so some of those names I had to, you know, think back, it's Grooveball was one, uh, Slant Shot, uh, Ramp Ball. So, you know, just kind of different variations. Um, but ultimately, what was the most important to us is that finding a name that made sense, but also we can secure all the web pages, you know. So I mean, yeah. not only just .net, we have .com and .org. And so we really cornered that name, uh, was also able to put a trademark to it. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, it was definitely, it took time. We had family members kind of vote on it and everything. And, you know, whether we took their advice, um, you know, it, it didn't matter. We just needed that other perspective, but ultimately, uh, Ramshot just kind of fell into place and we love it. I mean, the colors was, there was no argument. It was just like, Josh and I were both at that time were like green and black. I mean, that looks so sharp together and. Uh, it just kind of all fell into place naturally. I'm not going to lie. Usually you hear entrepreneurs say the names that they ended up not using and they're really bad. But I mean, I obviously like Ramp Shot the most, but those other names weren't like terrible either. Yeah. <laughs> I still have a soft spot for traps, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I'm certainly, yeah, I'm glad we landed on Ramp Shot at the end though. So when you guys were, were starting this, how did your skill sets complement each other? in the business and still to this day, because I know Josh, your background was in uh, PE and Kevin, you had the business experience. So what were your roles early on? You know, it's crazy because I think about that um, now. I have uh, had zero business experience and still have, you know, so much to learn, you know, on that end. Um, the thing that that uh, that I'm good at, I guess, is playing yard games. <laughs> like that's it, you know. Like I, I'm a phys ed teacher, you know, so I just I love, you know, like a lot of good, you know, sports and yard games and things like that. And um, I just love the whole idea of you know being out in the backyard, barbecuing, playing yard games. That's that's honestly honestly that's it. You know, that's kind of all like you know all I knew. Um, Ke- one of the reasons I, I tapped Kevin on the shoulder is because he has much more business experience uh, than I do. Um, and on top of that, he's also, you know, my, uh, you know, yard game buddy as well. Um, so my experience was very limited. I will say that over the past seven years, I've learned a ton. Um, and it's amazing to think back about how much I've learned because we, you know, we took this step. But uh, uh, Kevin certainly brought the, the business end to the table. And, you know, and he still, uh, you know, really handles a lot of that. You know, he deals with, you know, the buyers and things like that. And I've become a some of an expert on shipping and, you know, and, and some other operations, things and, yeah. and operations and everything else. So, um, you know, I think now we have a, a, a nice balance, um, but going into it, I, I, it's one of those things that, you know, they say that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. I, I had no idea what I didn't know. And now I look back and I say, wow, it's amazing how much you learn, you know, over the years, but uh, certainly glad and looking back now that we took that step. But I think it would have been scary if I would have known all of the things that I didn't know when we first started. But uh yeah, but I think I think our still our skill sets are kind of perfectly matched at this point. You know, where we kind of really both bring something to the table and uh, we complement each other nicely. So throughout the process of building the business and the brand, um, what was the biggest hurdle that you guys faced? Because looking at this from an outsider's perspective, there's so much that goes into it from producing the product, raising awareness. Um, so is there a specific barrier that you guys found difficult to overcome? Yeah, I think it was really just kind of determining that material. You know, I mean, again, where we um, were familiar with working in, the, in our own, you know, garages and workshops uh, to come up with a prototype, um, you know, visiting the cabinet maker, we were still kind of hopeful that we could just do it domestically. You know, we were just thinking, you know, this guy is the next town over and um, you know, we can get marine grade plywood and, um, you know, just kind of resemble again, cornhole, you know, just something that we see in the marketplace. But, um, and again, without making a huge startup investment, you know, I mean, certainly you source the wood, um, and then, you know, away you go on production, but, 
um, we quickly realized that the costs were just not going to make sense. Our, our retail price point was just going to be way too high uh, to remain competitive. You know, how can you do large scale production um, at a cheaper cost? And, you know, kind of just hit us in the head that, you know, it's plastic, you know, like, you know, so that's kind of where we started diving into research. You know, Josh alluded to how much we've learned. It's been ridiculous. Like I've never thought, you know, that I would learn so much about plastics, you know, just uh, coming from, from our backgrounds, just, you know, just to know everything that goes into that industry. But uh, once we kind of did our research, um, we just realized how expensive it would have been to do a startup. So certainly when you say, you know, the biggest early hurdle um, had to be getting the mold, you know, to produce um, a, an injection mold product, um, you know, requires a s substantial amount of uh, startup capital. Um, so that's when it became clear that we needed to start crowdfunding um, and find alternate ways to, to try to get to that. And um, that, to me, it was that was the breaking point, you know, because we were just both basically saying, all right, we, we have a product here. That's the most important thing. How do we get it so we can sustain it, um, you know, over large scale production and, you know, to invest tens of thousands of dollars just before you can even start selling your first unit um, was was the uh, was the risk. You know, that's where we had to say, all right, are we going for this or are we are we going to just uh, be complacent and kind of settle in and and just say, well, we have something that we can play amongst our friends with our prototypes, but not something that we would get to the market. And ultimately we decided to, uh, to just go for it and crowdfund and uh, take out credit cards in our own name and just you know, scrap together every penny that we can get um, just to get this thing started. So I hope this question isn't too uh, financially personal and I can edit it out if it is. One article I read was from 2015 and it said that at that point, you guys had estimated that you'd put in like $100,000 into the business. Uh, so I didn't know that you guys did crowdfund. Uh, at what point did you guys do that? And was it through like uh, Indiegogo or Kickstarter? We actually used a uh, platform called rockethub.com, uh, okay. which was, uh, they were, you know, terrific to work with. Uh, one of the reasons we did that is because they were running a, a uh, and not you know going with some of the the bigger ones that are more you know common that people know of, is they were running a campaign with uh, A and E networks, uh, you know the the TV uh, network uh, yeah. A and E. So they were running a campaign with them. They were looking for, um, I guess they would you know kind of like hot new startups, um, things that were uh, completely unique. Um, uh, I, they had a couple of different criteria in there, but, you know, we looked at it and we said, oh, there's some like, you know, there's some money in there for it. Um, I don't remember the exact amount, you know, offhand, but uh, it was enough where we said, you know what, like, let's let's give it a shot. You know, maybe we can kind of, you know, get in on this page and enter into this contest. And, uh, you know, we did we did uh, great during the crowdfunding. Um, you know, people were the, the difference with that one, too, is when people um, contribute, they get some everybody gets something in return. Yeah. So we sold a lot of uh, a lot of sets. People were basically just kind of pre-ordering sets at the time. Um, and then the the cherry on top was that we ended up uh, being one of the winners of the A&E contest. Um, so we actually got some funding from from them as well. Um, not enough to, you know, to cover you know our cost or anything like that. There was still, you know, a, a lot of risk on our, you know, our own dollar. But, uh, you know, it was certainly helpful. And 
um, you know, and it was great exposure too, and it was a great experience just to be able to, you know, win a contest. We just started, you know, producing. It was early on, so within like that, you know, that because we were right at production, so 2013, 2014. Um, so it was just kind of a great way to start, and it just kind of was like kind of neat you know you're starting a new business the next thing you know you're getting recognized by you know by a and e network you know within a few months so that was that was pretty neat yeah i think it's interesting we just we have uh so we have ramshot crossnet and sauce toss for this first series and it's just cool looking at the stories of each and seeing how some crowdfunded some didn't and i know some people are like against it but if you use it effectively like i don't think it's a negative tool either yeah, and, and I, I agree. I think that, you know, there's certain, uh, and there's always that debate on like GoFundMes, you know, like which ones are worth yeah. it and things like that. And like crowdfunding, you know, essentially could be the same thing. Um, and I guess that's why I'd have to emphasize that it was a, uh, it was a very small amount. Ian mentioned that article of, you know, us putting in $100,000. Uh, Kevin and I certainly, you know, did not have anything close to that amount of money um, and didn't raise that kind of money either. So, uh, a, a good majority of it was was literally us, you know, applying for, uh, uh, you know, credit cards and, 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 and really kind of put ourselves early on into a little bit of debt um, just because we believe so much in the product. Um, and again, with Rocket Hub, you know, people, it was more of a, a pre-order um, than people just kind of putting in so that we had some, you know, money to do it, you know, because, um, you know, money's tight for everybody. So it's, yeah. it is. It's hard to be able to ask people, like, hey, can I have some money so I can start a company? Um, this was a, a, a pre-order, you know, and, and again, it was more about, you know, getting in and for, for A and A, but, uh, yeah, certainly starting a business is, is not cheap. Um, and it's again, one of those things you look back and you said, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that we actually like jumped in like that, you know, um, probably a little naive at the time, just assuming that it was going to work. Thank God it did. Um, but it certainly was a, a big risk looking back at it now. So for the future of Ramshot, where do you guys see this going do you see it growing into like additional products and games i know it's compared to like the cornhole for this generation so if you watch espn in the summer they always have those indoor cornhole yeah. tournaments could you guys see it yeah. becoming something like that yeah i mean i could see it going that way it's it's interesting because a lot of um like cornhole has a very like um loyal following you know like there's people that are just you know people have their own sets their own custom sets and they're just kind of very loyal to to cornhole and if you look at, at you know the games that are top of the market you know like spikeball they have a very loyal following um and i think those things take time you know they take they take time and even though we you know we've been at it for six years and we've seen you know tremendous growth over those years um you know we have a long way to go so i think um obviously it would be exciting to be able to give an opportunity to you know to do an espn thing you know like spikeball or, or uh the cornhole is done um but, you know, we're just kind of right now just kind of going along for the ride and, and just kind of seeing where it takes us. We do have um, an idea for another product, which we're uh, hoping to be able to launch towards the end of this year. Um, don't want to give <laughs> too much info on that yet. It's very early stages, but uh, it's something that, that we're very excited about. And um, we think it could be it's a uh, might be a variation of, of, of Ramp Shop, but we think it's going to be something that can you know maybe even uh, uh, go even further than the original Ramp Shop. So. And he early talks about that, but that's something that we're excited about for the future. You guys do like ramp shot tournaments and stuff as of now, right? Or maybe not now because of COVID, but yeah, we've yeah. done. Uh, sorry, Kev, we've uh, we've done a, a bunch of them, only going back to uh, to 2014 or 2015, maybe. Um, all of our tournaments on the East Coast have been. Um, we've done like beach tournaments over at Smith Point Beach on Long Island. 
then we started doing West Coast tournaments uh, in Long Beach. Um, the pandemic has been, um, you know, it's kind of slowed us down, you know, for the past uh, year or over a year now. Um, so it's been kind of hard to run tournaments. But uh, we've also actually been involved in some great tournaments. And I'll, and I'll let Kevin kind of talk more about these because it's kind of up in uh, his neck of the woods, upstate New York. Um, but they've had some great tournaments up there with the Yard Olympics. So, Kevin, I don't know if you want to mention what those guys do. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, I, to me, I think it's the future of really this industry. Whereas, you know, we've seen other standalone games from tournaments in the past, and certainly we do it, and it's, it's fun. But uh, what they've done up in central New York is really start a huge following of, you know, essentially, the, the title says it, the Yard Games Olympics. And um, so multiple games are featured in a single day. And the, the event is just taking off. I mean, we're, we're talking a, a few hundred teams, um, you know, that's really starting to, to uh, attract a lot of attention. And, you know, you mentioned ESPN and Cornhole. And, you know, even though for strangely, it's, it's watchable. I don't know why watching people throw a beanbag is somewhat entertaining. But, uh, you know, to me, this Yard Olympics is really the, the next thing because, um, you know, it really truly shows everyone's skill set from tossing a bag to shooting a ramp shot ball. Um, and I think just that that to me is entertaining. You know, people really get into it. And, um, you know, certainly I can see that becoming the new norm as far as having multiple games represented in a single tournament. Is it OK, real quick, before we get to the last question, if I ask you a couple questions I wrote down while you guys were talking? Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Josh, in the Sauce Toss podcast that you were a part of, your uh, Ian mentioned something about, uh, I wrote it down, a college ambassador program. Could, could you touch on what that is? Because when I heard that and like when I saw your guys' product, the first thing I thought of was it would be really cool for like intramurals in, uh, in college because most intramurals are like... Uh, flag football or basketball and i think that something like Ramshot would be appealing to like a wider base of students because you don't have to have like a big athletic background to be able to participate yeah that's something that we've uh, we've definitely seen um a lot of growth in over the years um is is the uh you know rec programs at, at colleges starting to uh you know starting to include it as part of their you know their daily you know or, or seasonally offerings um and, uh, you know, as far as the college ambassadors, we've had people contact us. Sometimes we put out like programs saying, hey, if you're interested to become a college ambassador, um, you know, and we've we've uh, talked to people. I was going to say sat down, but, you know, <laughs> you can't sit down with COVID right now. But we've we've talked to people on Zoom and just kind of like, uh, you know, gone over what their experiences with Ramshot. And uh, some people have just become um, so uh, falling have fallen in love with Ramshot where they're like taking it to the next level, you know, and they're actually selling games at their own school. So some people are kind of making some money that way. Um, but more importantly, they're just kind of, you know, spreading the word about ramp shot, you know, on their college campuses. Um, so we've seen a, a, a big growth that way. Um, as far as playing in intramurals, that's another thing that's, um, that's becoming much bigger. Um, a lot of schools have reached out to us, you know, whether ordering for like bulk sets and things like that. And, um, you know, in the, this is still, I, we consider this still the early going, Awareness to ramp shot is um, is something that's always a, a struggle, you know, um, something that that you grow year after year. But, you know, there's so much more of the market to be able to, you know, to tap into. 
Um, so being at a college campus and having people play there and then being able to have other people say, hey, what is that? You know, where do I get one? You know, that's kind of huge for us. And that's kind of how you grow is, is really a lot of word of mouth. You could put up, you know, Facebook ads or Instagram ads and things like that. But word of mouth is it, you know, so being in college intramural programs or having college ambassadors, uh, I think, has definitely been a key part of our growth over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even to expand on that further, just. I think, you know, being seven years into the business, our biggest question is, you know, how do you turn casual fans into diehard fans? You know, so like, I mean, just people who are willing to throw tournaments or bring it with you wherever you go, like as far as a barbecue or a tailgate. Um, and certainly the college age, we're finding that that's, you know, in the, you know, the, the age bracket where typically you can see this type of product expand. And I mean, you know, you could sell 100,000 games. Um, and they never leave the box, you know, yeah. I mean, for us, we want someone who is truly passionate about the game. They're our diehard, diehard fans. Um, and, you know, they're willing to go out and, and promote it with, you know, while we're basically, you know, at home having dinner with our families, they're out playing and, you know, cause we can only do so much, you know, so that's where you want. You want your passionate fan base to really help grow the product. And then the, the other one I wrote down was you guys mentioned, earlier in the podcast just now uh, that you had interns early on. Do you guys still have interns or no? Just because I know in our sport management department, uh, every student has to complete either 600 or 300 hours of internships and didn't know if that was something that you guys still leaned on. Um, I mean, because of the global pandemic, a yeah. lot has been paused and everything. Uh, certainly it's something I'd like to get back to uh, just because of the uh, you know youthful motivation, it certainly is helpful when running tournaments and doing uh, the day to day to kind of get events up and going. Uh, but certainly, there's plenty to do. I mean, it's you know it's a full operating company where someone in finance can find value in it. So uh, certainly, that's something that we will uh, start to approach again. Um, I know that uh, in the past, it's always been localized to really just to my area, just because I can interview them in person but i think if we learned anything from a global pandemic is uh you know how accessible we can all be through video chat and conferences that we we might start expanding the program out to uh out to the you know the rest of the country and other colleges okay i was just curious because we actually have there's another ga um in our department and she's actually from upstate new york so that's what made oh, cool. me think of it yeah that's funny. Yeah, I mean, definitely, we'll probably get it more formalized, you know, in the next couple months or so. But uh, yeah, I mean, if uh, if anything, the, the pandemic kind of delayed that all, but uh, certainly yeah. it's something we want to get back to. Moving on to that uh, second to last question. What advice would you guys give to listeners who have maybe been sitting on, a de on an idea of their own, but not invested in it due to fear? Like we've talked about some of the hurdles you guys have faced and it's a daunting task, like creating a following. So is there any encouragement you would give? I know, uh, Josh, I think you said earlier, you glad, you're glad you didn't know some of the things that you now know. So is there, is there a word of encouragement that you guys have? Yeah, I think it, it goes along those lines of really just taking it one day at a time. You know, I mean, whenever there's a hurdle in front of you, you just have to attack it head on. You know, don't wait, don't push it off, you know, go right after it and try to find the solution. So for us, luckily Josh and I, um, you know, beyond the, even the prototype stage, we're 
I would say we're researchers just by nature. You know, we just naturally want to, you know, always be researching our, you know, how to get to the next level. And um, certainly with, with having a partner is a huge, huge advantage. Because uh, if I'm going through a low moment where I just feel like, oh no, this is a lot of work and, you know, there, there was debt piling up. So like, you know, how do we get over that hump? Josh would be right there motivating me saying, no, like we have an awesome product. And I would say if there's anything, uh, if you're, I mean, certainly if you're sitting on a uh, consumer good, uh, fall in love with the product first. You know I mean? I think that's the most important thing, but make sure that your product isn't only loved by you, you know, certainly make sure that what you're coming out with uh, is something that will, you know, uh, appeal to the larger demographic, but uh, certainly it all starts with you falling in love with what you do. You have to be happy with what you're doing um, and really be passionate about the product and, and know that you can make a difference in people's lives. So if you have that uh, as the background, um, you know, certainly when you when you face these challenges, um, just attack them head on. Don't wait. You know, don't put it off a week or, or even a day. Get it done and then you'll feel better about accomplishing it. I just wanted to say before we got to the the wrap up question, uh, thanks for joining me and doing this. I was really worried when I had this idea for this series that it would be pretty much impossible to like get these creators and founders of these companies to come on. But I mean, I started reaching out last Friday and we're going to have all three episodes recorded like by Tuesday. So I appreciate it. And I'm sorry it ran a lot longer than usual. But no, I do. We, you know, we're passionate about it. I think that probably is clear. We love just reflecting, you know, again, today was, you know, re-motivating to, to get right back to it. So, I mean, certainly uh, we, we enjoy these opportunities and uh, certainly we'd never pass one up. Yeah. Our, our former episodes, we pretty much just focus on like people that work within, you know, the Pacers, Colts, places around Indianapolis that are, uh, like a sports league and teams, but I thought it would be cool because I know we are a sport management department. We're not the business or finance school, but I think that there are still entrepreneurship opportunities for people coming out with our degrees. And so I just kind of wanted to provide context for that so that students could be able to listen to these founders who like you, Josh, don't even have the business background, but you can learn it even though it's not in your degree. Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, so much to learn and, um, you know, probably took me, probably took me a little bit longer, uh, uh to learn it without that background. Um, uh, but certainly just being, you know, being, uh, you know, neck deep in the business end of it, you just kind of are forced to learn it. And I'm sure over the next, you know, 10 years, I'm, I'm going to, you know, learn that much more too. So I think it's just a, uh, continuous thing and just uh continually growing you know as an entrepreneur and you know and in being in business so where can listeners of this go to uh see videos about ramshot and buy their their own set uh you can go to ramshot.com um r-a-m-p so it's ramp shot ramshot.com um and if you go on there there's uh there's the Ramshot Classic video. You can go to the How to Play page and you can watch uh, How to Play Classic, which is kind of the original rules. Uh, then they show you the slapback, which we referred to earlier, which is a more advanced way to play. Um, and then there's also rookie rules for uh, people that are maybe looking to take it a little easier or, you know, maybe uh, younger kids that, um, you know, have some simpler rules for them. So there's a, a small learning curve, you know, to the game. But I think it's one of those things where, you know, you watch a video, you play a couple of times and next thing you know, it just uh, it just makes sense. It's and it's and it's pretty nice and easy. So 
like I said, younger kids can play, older kids can play, um, you know, and then of course, you know, us old guys enjoy playing as well. So, um, but yeah. And then if you go on the website, it'll also, uh, there's a, a coupon code right now, uh, that's still valid. It's, uh, RS, uh, RS for like ramp shot RS 15 off. And that gives you 15% off of, uh, of your purchase. So, um, we're also available on, on Amazon and then, you know, you'd love to, uh, to, uh, get some followers too. So anybody, um, you know, on Instagram or, you know, Facebook, very simple, uh, just ramp shot and, uh, you know, give us a, a follow, a like, and, um, you know, we're, we're excited about where the company's going and we certainly appreciate you, uh, you know, uh, putting us on and giving us the opportunity to share our story. Yeah, I'll definitely tag you guys too. Whenever I post the show, I have a random question. Whenever I searched ramp shot, one of the retailers that I found a link to was, uh, called shears and shields yeah. shields sorry um yep. and when i'm preparing for this and the crossnet one i heard the crossnet guys mention that too because i think you both are from kind of they're from the connecticut area so i was just curious have your guys's paths ever crossed before or no um not officially i mean we no. we've seen a lot of yard games um owners and you know again some of these tournaments that we've been in we've crossed paths but uh, Crossnet uh, kind of follows into, you know, kind of that volleyball uh, beach game. So it's a little yeah. bit, uh, a little bit different in, the, in that sense. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's certainly someone we're well, we're you know well aware of, and um, yeah, I mean, it's a great product. I've yeah, I've actually uh, I've spoken with uh, with Chris, who's one of the uh, the founders over yeah. there as well, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he's a great guy. And, and, I think what they've done with their product is, you know, is incredible as well. You know, I'm sure they've had, uh, you know, uh, challenges along the way. You can kind of identify, you know, with guys like that in the industry. It's, you know, it's somewhat of a, a smaller industry. Um, and uh, certainly games like CrossNet are, are terrific. And, uh, you know, and, and Chris has been uh, somebody, like I said, I've talked to briefly, you know, over the years. But, uh, you know, seems like a, a good guy, good company. Yeah, I was just curious because I'd never heard of that retailer. And then... I found it in back-to-back and -back uh, researching for both you guys. So, yeah, they're out. Those stores are actually like uh, we we hadn't heard of it before either. Um, they're like mega stores um, out. Most of them like the the Midwest, um, but they are like enormous, almost like a Walmart, um, but all sports. Um, and they have been uh, huge supporters of Ramshot over the years. You know, retail is not easy, especially when you're starting out and really nobody knows who's who you are. So you. You know, you're walking down the aisle and you see Ramshot and you're like, I, I have no idea what that is. You know, it's hard for somebody to, you know, to pick it up and, and take a chance on it. Uh, Shields has been there, I think, from almost year one. And they just continue to order. And, and their um, their company, their, you know, the people that they purchase from us are huge fans of the game as well. So I think and I think that helps. But, uh, uh, yeah, there's certainly been a, you know, very, very loyal, uh, you know, partner for us over the years, Shields. Oh. Well, I want to say again, thank you guys for taking this time. This is our longest episode by far, and I appreciate it. If it's okay, when I am finished with this episode, I'll send it to you guys. And then just in talking about like some of the college ambassador program stuff, uh, I've thought of some stuff, and I'm going to just like ways like ramp shot could be utilized like with a freshman orientation week or college visit days cool. that we have at UND. Uh, so I might run some of these ideas by my, my supervisor in our department and then shoot it back to you guys with the episode too. That'd be great, Cody. Yeah, thank you. 
Yeah. Thanks, Cody. That'd be, that'd be great. So have a good rest of your day. Thank you guys. Um, and I'll be sure to stay in touch. Awesome. Very good. Thanks Thank again, Cody. Yep. Thank it was a blast. Thanks. See ya. Bye. <laughs>